Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I am Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. We meet here each week at Ted's Frosthop on Claiborne and Calhoun, and we invite a member of the restaurant and, and uh, food community of New Orleans to join us. We also ask them to bring along a plus one. We never know who the plus one is going to be, but we do know our special guest is, and we're real excited today, Margo, I know you are too, for having Max Godin here, and this is going to be a different kind of show for us, new kind of guest, I'm really excited. But before uh, he arrives, wondering if you had any uh, food experiences to share with us? Well... Yeah, but I want to hear about your week. Did you have anything exciting? Uh, uh, what am I most excited about? I get excited about everything, but like I guess uh, the yard eggs. Yard eggs. You know, I got yard eggs I get. You know, we have three chickens in the back. I think Orleans Parish allows you to have up to five legally. I have three. <laughs> and uh, they lay about three eggs a day. And they're a little bit smaller than those hormone-fed, you know, crazy uh, franken-eggs that you get in the <laughs> grocery store that we all eat joyfully, all the poison that we eat. But they're also, you know, so fresh. And I'll tell you what, it's be, I, I get to a point now where I, I, we, we fried up a whole bunch again for the family this week. It's spoiling me to other eggs. Like, I, I, I think in a few more weeks I'm going to be unable to eat regular grocery store eggs. I mean, it's amazing. The, the, the shells are thicker. You've had them. You know, you know the shells are thicker. They're different colors. But just the yolk is, like, more orange and just tastes better. And it's just everything about it's good. And I know what they've eaten. You yeah. Know? Now, let me ask you, is it, uh, are you not allowed to have a hen? You're allowed to have as many. We're not allowed to have roosters. Roosters, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I think there are some ordinances going around about roosters. I wouldn't want to have a rooster anyway. So, you know, they don't know when they're little, but they, some people claim they can tell. Uh, if they're, and this woman told us she could tell, and she was right. Three out of three that she sold us were hens. So, uh, you know, we, got, we, we made out well. But What's we the work like? I mean, is it like not a lot bad. of work? Not bad. Uh, Do they I built, stink? Well, here's the thing. We had them before, and our neighbor's cat uh, murdered one of our chickens. <laughs> and the other chicken just stood on Isn't top of it. Isn't that their job, though, to, to murder the chickens? Well, I guess murder. So. Murder. Well, Gosh. It, it felt All like right. murder to me. I okay. Mean, I'm the sorry. The chicken's really And neat. they, they and are so, like a pet. So what happened is we came outside, and the chicken was... I don't want to say because Rachel's here. I just realized. Okay, but the chicken was not in good shape. And the other chicken was on top of that chicken. Actually, Rachel's the one who discovered it. it. No, just, just wailing. Like oh, in crying? mourning. And so we took the chicken away, and then the, the other chicken, the survivor, wouldn't come out of its pen and just wailed all day, you know? And so we finally had to give it away to somebody who had some other chicken so it could be social. And then we got three more. And now what I did was I've made redundancy. There's several layers of security. It's like a high security. It's like Leavenworth, you know? And so no animal or human or nefarious character can get near my chickens at <laughs> night. They're really well secured. But um, so, so in their security, they've become cocky and they're kind of arrogant. And you go in there and they peck you a lot. And they're not, they're not the greatest pets, but they, they lay lots of eggs and they're very pretty. And they don't make a lot of noise. And Are they easy, easy to care for? It's easy to yeah, care yeah. for? Yeah, yeah. My wife goes out there 10 minutes in the morning. And Rachel helps her out a little bit with certain things. They have a can of feed out there. They spread a little around, give them a little water. And you got to empty out the poo from the thing we put in the compost box and making compost. You can use chicken feed because it doesn't eat protein. Anyway, that's that's more than you wanted to hear about chicken. So, uh, anything? Well, what what came first, the chicken or the cat? The cat has always been there. Yeah, the cat was in the neighborhood first. That's a good point. But the cat. But are the you sure it was the cat? the cat? I know. I, yeah, because I don't the cat used to come back and hang around. Because there's afterwards. raccoons in our neighborhood, and they killed my brother's really? kids' ducks. Okay. They eat duck eggs. There's a slight chance it was a possum because we have seen some possum going around lately. Yeah, but. Before we, b before yeah. we, uh, yeah, innocent Good. until proven guilty, right? It could be a possum. 
could be, but I, 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 I don't like any of the cats to begin with in our okay. neighborhood. They pee under a house, and they, they're cocky. They hang out. They lounge on my front porch. I walk up, and they just look at me like, what are you going to do about it? So I get the hose. I go, I'm going to spray you, you know, and they're just like, try it, you know. And then, you know, and then I finally spray them, and then they act surprised, and they run away, and then they're back again in an hour. Anyway, that's, that's enough with the chickens, and we'll talk about we'll, We can continue this conversation later. But more important is our guest. Max Godin. I'm so excited he's here. We've had, um, Margo, we've had, what have we had? We have had, in the last year, the show has one year anniversary in a few weeks, right? But we've, mm-hmm. had, we've had chefs, we've had uh, owners, we've had bartenders, we've had waitresses, we've had the high end, the low end, and median end. I feel like we've really gotten a spectrum of all kinds of people that are involved in the direct um, uh, execution of the restaurant experience. But I don't know that we've ever had anybody like Max before. We're going to hear in just a minute, but he's a he's a guy who actually um, works with the restaurants to to help make them better at what they do, and so that's kind of interesting. And I'm I'm really excited to hear that perspective. So, without further delay, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, glad to have you here. So, tell us the name of your uh, operation. It's called Sidework. Sidework. Yeah, it's uh, side work, and uh, it's essentially online training for restaurants. So um, instead of getting a 50 or 100-page packet, a new employee gets a login, and they learn everything they need to know about the restaurant. And uh, management can ensure they know their stuff. They get quizzed on it, and uh, it's accessible via the browser, so you can get get to it on a phone or iPad or, or your computer. Um, and basically, they just use it as their online hub for ins- information. All right, so what kind of areas does it train them in? Like, what kind of people are using it? It's not the chefs that are going and learning how to cook, right? It's the it's the people doing the reservations, and it's also the wait staff and all that, or who is it? Right, so right now it is a focus on front of house. So uh, basically uh, a, a server would see how to best describe a dish to a customer, what it looks like plated, uh, breaks down the ingredients, they learn about the ingredients, uh, yeah. dietary needs, what is gluten-free, what is vegan, vegetarian, and what dishes are. Uh, as well as any wine pairings or beer or cocktail pairings if they have it. Uh, we've, re- we've recently gotten into back of house also so that uh, um, the cooks in the back can see prep instructions for dishes and step-by-step and also uh, checklists for management uh, at the end of the day. Huh. So is it one-size-fits-all? Does every restaurant get the same training package that they subscribe to, or is it is vary depending on different? Is there a menu of that? Yeah, so it's uh, it's completely custom to the restaurant. It's uh, it's all of your menu items. It's basically everything you'd want the the uh, your your employees to see already. We take pictures of all the dishes so they can see what they look like, um, and basically everything is custom. Um, outside of that, we have health and safety which entails uh, a lot of surf safe type stuff that you would learn in a restaurant, uh, cross-contamination, that type of thing. And then also we have a heavy emphasis on food allergies and dietary needs, so learning vegetarian, vegan, and and like I said, uh, gluten-free and learning what all that is. Um, And then we have have other modules. One we recently added was social media, so like how to represent your restaurant's brand online, how to not represent it online, uh, and that type of thing. What I have one question. What about um, training for like closeout of drawers, like uh, cash register, financial training? Is that included in it, or is that right? Yeah. So that is uh, that's included. So uh, we we have uh, point of sale screenshots for for the employees themselves, but there's also uh, a section to separate out for managers. So how to deal with the bank at the end of the day, what to do with the safe, that type of thing. Um, you know procedures for counting out money so that's all in there uh, and it, it, it depends on your restaurant 
but certainly there's a cer- there's a certain amount of content development that it needs to be done with some places. Basically, uh, if we put you, if you don't have, you know, if your training's not already rocking uh, in the first place, it's not going to help out much <laughs> if uh, we put it online, right? So we we help you develop it a little bit more, and uh, we can supplement it uh, with our own if you don't have it. And oh, good. I was going to ask, do you meet with people personally first, and um, is there like a lot of face-to-face time first and then you coordinate the technical stuff right now since we're mostly in new orleans uh, we have the opportunity to do that otherwise uh we, we have a couple clients that are, that are not in new orleans so basically that would entail uh we, t- we talk over skype and then screen sharing uh but realistically we, we don't literally have to be in the restaurant uh to set it up because it's, it's just putting everything online huh. Now, you were born and raised here, right? Mm-hmm. So were you involved in the restaurant business before this venture? Yes, I worked in uh, an absurd amount of restaurants in high school and college. What were some of them? Uh, I worked in uh, I worked at Mr. B's. I worked at uh, Parkway Bakery. Uh, oh, those are all guests we've had on. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, lis- I listened to that one, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, Landry's. Uh, Outback. I worked at Hooters for a short while at Metairie. You were a waitress at that? I, I was. I was a waitress. I'm the one that had that uh, that big lawsuit. You know? uh, no, we, we, I was in the kitchen there for a short while with a friend. It, it was actually not a bad time. We didn't last long, though. Okay, what was the... What was Why? The, uh, did you get in trouble? I went, okay, wait, yeah, wait, wait. No, Why did you not trouble. last long? It was just... Uh, it was tough. I, I was doing the frying, and they have like 30 deep fryers, and I was just... I, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. It wasn't worth it. But no, it, you it, were one of those employees that needed uh, somebody, some leadership, huh? Yeah, yeah, they they, def- they didn't have much leadership, but the uh, the interfacing with the waitresses is not what you think it is for anyone out there who's thinking about working at Hooters. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Uh, Why? I don't know. It's that? just it's just how kind of how they have the culture built in. It's just like shove your food in the window, and there's not much you know talking or anything. I, I guess that's that's that makes for good business practices on their side. Is that See, why was, your I friend wanted to work there? I was the kitchen of Hooters like uh, like one of those B movie like prison women's prison videos or something. You know, no, it wasn't, it's not like that, huh? <laughs> right? No, no. They're not skipping around the kitchen in their, you know. They don't even walk in the kitchen. They have it set up that way, so it's just like gets pushed out a window. Uh, and yeah, that's so sad. It's tragic. It was sad. It was. Because that's sure. really the only reason to work at Hooters, I would think. Exactly. I'm sure it, it uh, contributed to our, our quick exit out of Hooters, for sure. So what was the worst restaurant you worked at? Uh, the worst one I worked at, uh, let's see. I, I worked in several bars. I'd have to say I worked at the uh, Jester on Bourbon Street once for like six hours, <laughs> and uh, it was terrible. And I, I actually just walked out, out of my shift. That's the only time I've ever Did done you, that. Was it wow. terrible because the people you were dealing with or the, the – uh, I would say, well, for actually, for one, lack of training certainly is part of it. But basically they're just like, hey, here's the daiquiris. It must have been. <laughs> it's like here, here's the daiquiris. This is where the this is the cup and daiquiris going here. But like on top of that, you're on your own. But basically, uh, it must have been some bad weekend and there's like no tips at all and the pay was horrible. I was like, what am I doing here? So uh, that that was probably the worst one. Was that your uh, last job in the restaurant business before you decided to go into business for yourself? Uh, no, it was that was probably. Uh, Man, it was it was either Landry's or Parkway. Uh, Parkway is definitely excellent to work at, and also 
the cleanest restaurant I've ever worked in. Huh. Uh, yeah, they uh, they they make you clean that place. I, I think I think part of it was because the owners had not owned a restaurant before. Has to do with it, so they did like absolutely everything by the book, uh, and we had to clean that place every day. So, that, uh, you, you know, it's good to know eating there at least. Okay. Huh. Well, see, I was, the reason why I was asking about the worst is I was wondering if any of those things inspired you to go into this business. Like you looked at it and said, "Hey, there's something missing here." Like, you know, there's <laughs> there's a big component missing here. Now, now, do New Orleans? You, you mentioned a fifty or hundred page manual. Do New Orleans restaurants actually have fifty? And, do they bother to make fifty to hundred page manuals for the for the workers, or do they just sort of yeah, you, you know, kind of wing it? You would see, yeah, hundred pages would probably be on the high end. A lot of places wing it, so. Uh, you certainly have a mix of in-person training in the manual, but what happens is like, you know, you have an opportunity to prepare me, give, give me the tools to operate really well in your restaurant, but you don't. Uh, and that's, you know, the first thing you should do is help me like identify with your brand and culture. And they, they make no effort to do that for the most part. You know, if, if you do get a manual, a lot of time it's like downloaded off of restaurantowner.com or something, <laughs> and then they just changed the their name and put it in there and it doesn't really suit the restaurant um and it's you know it's it's full of like 80 and 100 page bullet uh, 100 bullet bullets uh you know per page where it just lists uh checking through things but uh you know certainly i uh i wanted to do something that was a restaurant focus so there's basically like scheduling point of sale um that type of thing and i found a huge hole in training because a, a lot of training tends to be terrible so uh, I, I chose that. Huh. Do you think um, better training would help create a better culture of service? Um, or, and what do you feel about temporary jobs? Right, right. Uh, I think, uh, the in, you know, ideally, you know, you'd see if uh, Sidework became a behemoth of a company that you'd see a lev- the level of professionalism and service go up consistently across the board because uh you know people are being trained better uh i think as far as uh you know the the level of service there's i would like to think the vast majority of of restaurant owners certainly care they they want to deliver they want to give you great food and great service uh the the people the the managers and restaurateurs that don't care i can't really help them out much uh (laughs) if they don't care but i would like to see uh the level of service bumped up across the board uh, and you know pe- people definitely research has shown basically that you are more likely to go back to a place with great service and mediocre food than mediocre f- uh, great food and mediocre service you mm. know so huh. basically uh, you know I, I, I would like to help to raise the bar for sure well I mean so what kind of things are we talking about like I mean obviously you know a lot of it's common sense you don't have to have in the manual like do not spill soup on the customer. If you do, say you're sorry. I mean, it's not like that. What, what kind of things are we, are we talking about? Give us some few examples so we get kind of a feel of it. Right, yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it certainly has to be separated out with your, your segments. Uh, you have quick service, fast food, and then uh, casual dining, and then fine dining. So there are certain nuances to each of them. Uh, on on a, the service side specifically, it's, you know, talking to people, uh, in a non-scripted manner, uh, actually listening to them. If they don't want to hear the specials, don't tell them the specials. <laughs> uh, you know, li- there are little things like uh, some things I put in there that I picked up on is at, at the end of 
make sure make uh, make sure to say your name at the end of the spiel. Don't walk up and say, "Hey, I'm Max." Immediately say it after. Uh, They're a lot more likely to identify you, say your name, and tip you better as a result of that. Uh, oh, that's those type that's of things. Good. Right. Um, you know, smile, repeat repeat people's orders back to them. Uh, so there, there are those types of things on the service side specifically. Well, I have a thousand questions on this uh, on this issue, but let's uh, first uh, introduce your plus one. I see she's here. Can you tell us who this is? Yeah, this is uh, this is Marie Guevara. She is uh, first of all my girlfriend's sister, and she's also a pastry chef at Stella. So oh. I thought she'd be a good fit. We love Stella. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I'm just speaking for myself, Margaret. You must love Stella. Absolutely. Who doesn't love Stella? Who? That's wonderful to hear. How I'm, long have you been there? I've been there about five months now. So all right. Okay. So you were you're in the post Nicholas Cage uh, era yes, of Stella. Yes. Yes. But right. I've certainly heard all the stories about <laughs> all the drama. <laughs> right. But it's a good place to be. I'm excited to be there. Well, that's exciting. Okay. Well, How welcome. long have you Thank been you. there? Five months. I started uh, in May. So. So where'd you, where, where were you? Where were you before that? Were you anywhere before that? I was in Paris actually. You were in Paris. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Wow. I was studying at Le Cordon Bleu. Uh, right. Last year, and then I did an internship at a two Michelin star restaurant in Paris, but not in pastry actually, just in uh, cold appetizers. And I was working on the fish station for a while, and I had an opportunity to work in a small pastry shop there in Paris. Um, but I kind of felt like it was time to come home, and I really missed New Orleans. I had been gone a long time. Were you raised here? Uh, no, uh, actually, my dad is born and raised here, and we've kind of come here all my life, but I'm from Dallas, Texas. All right. But I've been here about nine years, so New Orleans is my home. <laughs> all right. But, uh, I'm glad yeah. you're here. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. All right. Well, Stella, boy, I don't even know where to begin with Stella. So <laughs> questions for that. I love that place so much. So what do they say about the Nicola? What's the inside scoop on the Nicolas Cage incident? Um, they just, I just hear from the servers that he punched the front window out and right. it caused quite a ruckus. <laughs> yeah. The dining room there, of course, is so beautiful and so elegant and it's well, that's the thing I think about Stella's. I mean, there are a lot of great restaurants that are of the caliber Stella's. Maybe I mean it's in the top, but there's several. But 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 most of them are not as. I mean, to me, Stella's is kind of it's more tame. The right. atmosphere there's more tame than a lot of the places. I mean, it's quieter. It's you know, it's, right. it's the lights are a little dimmer. So to have him like breaking out windows and being belligerent and stuff. Yes, there, exactly. Like, I don't. Uh, what what pushed him, him to do that? I, mean, I think that he was intoxicated, severely <laughs> intoxicated. So it's the bartender's fault. It's the service fault. That's in the manual, probably. Exactly. For yeah. yeah. That's the over service. Cage comes in, cut him off after twelve. <laughs> no more yeah. than twelve cocktails. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have his picture up in the back or anything, but I'm sure he's <laughs> banned from there. <laughs> he's kind of banned from the whole city. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> now this is. Uh, most places like Stella, the high-end, probably already have established programs and uh, manuals. And But have you uh, entered into any uh, high-end dining places that, like, updated or, or worked with any high-end restaurants yet? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're working with one right now. Uh, I can't say who it is just yet, but uh, they uh, basically you have... Two, two main segments. You have restaurants but who already have uh, really solid training, and they want to uh, uh, they, they find value in reducing the cost of it by putting it online uh, and mm. just streamlining it. And then you have the restaurants who don't have such great training, and they need help, uh, and, and that includes putting it online. Uh, but basically, 
uh, this restaurant, they, uh, their, their training is, uh, is very intense and, uh, they have, they told me it's, it takes, it takes about, uh, $60 worth of paper every time they print out a new packet. Um, and basically they, uh, th they already have their tests. We're putting them online and, uh, th their, their employees go through training on a da daily basis. So, so it that takes about saves a, week to a go lot through. of money and, and it's green. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it saves money. Uh, there, there are also some some great side effects on the on the front end. Hiring people, you can use it as a filtering mechanism for employees that might not work out so well. So if you give them a login ahead of time, and they either a don't bother logging in, or b they just fail it, you can tell them they're not going to work out. Whereas before, you might you know you spend hours with them training before you figure that out. Uh, a lot of restaurants with the paper, you don't necessarily know if uh, if they read through it. That makes sense. Max, with your oh, go ahead. Oh, you ask something? well, I was going to ask you um, what uh, the training was like at Stella. If you can reveal uh -huh. that, I mean, if that's a um, for me, I didn't have to go through too much training in terms of a manual or a packet. Um, it kind of worked out really well for me because the girl whose position I took at the time, she was about to leave. She was on a one-year contract from Thailand. Um, we work with a lot of international people. And so I kind of came in at the right time, and she did a hands-on training with me to show me what she does every day, what kind of recipes she was doing at the time. Um, but the beauty of my position is I have a lot of freedom. I really have... So you're the only pastry chef? Correct. Okay, yes. Okay, so you're working by yourself in there and yes. doing what you want, and yes, yeah. I'm there all day as a mad little pastry scientist, and I get to kind you of get to be, create. Yes, I get to create. I get to come up with new ideas for either plated desserts or the miniardies, the little petit fours that we give after coffee. Um, I like to try new chocolate flavors and all kinds of fun things like that. So. I'm I'm really lucky. I feel really lucky to be in that position. Now we we had on uh, a couple weeks ago we had a pastry what used to be pastry chef at uh, Commanders and they said you know we we've seen the kitchen there but you said the pastry. Mr. B's. Oh, Mr. B's. That's it. Yeah, same family of okay, but you know the one at Commanders it's like it's a whole kitchen. It's amazing. I mean, right. It's huge. But he, but they said that's not typical. I mean, generally even some high end restaurants have very very cramped spaces for the pastry chef and all that. What's it like at Stella's? I mean, do you feel like you have good facilities? Is there enough room to do yes, what you want to do? Yes, I well, I came for, straight from Paris, so <laughs> space is at a premium there. So I I love the kitchen at Stella. I feel like we do have a lot of space. It's really well organized. Um, I don't have a separate kitchen, but I have a separate station. Uh, which is really nice because a lot of places don't even have that. You kind of just have to work around other people and run around other people. Um, but when I work during the day, I have about four hours to myself, which is really nice because if I need to make 10 trays of macaroons, I can just take over the counters and and spread out, you know? So So now you were working in Paris. Did you get the job there? As a, you, were, you were working there full-time after school there? After, after school, Cordon Bleu. yes. So is it something that you uh, got through this, through your time at schooling there? You were going to school there, and then you were interning at a restaurant? Yes, and ended exactly. Up. Is that how it worked out? Exactly. I found the restaurant through a chef that I had as a professor at Le Cordon Bleu, and he connected me to this really amazing restaurant, and so I started working there with them and it was the hardest and most rewarding thing I've ever done. How and how is that different than your than your American experience or the Stella experience? 
Well, um, like culturally, what's different about the <laughs> what's different? About my the French is there? not very good. I'll say oh. that. So that was the beginning thing that was super intimidating for me because at Le Cordon Bleu, they kind of give you an easy time because they translate everything from French to English for you. So I hadn't practiced as much as I should have. So I got into the kitchen and they were just giving me orders left and right in French. You know, go do this, go do that, go downstairs, get this. And my school book French was not the same as officially being yelled at in French. (laughs) So that was really intimidating, but it's such good character building and it was such a good lesson. You learn what all those vegetables are like that, like super fast. And... It was really nice. They came to respect me a lot because I worked really hard. I made up for what I didn't understand in my work ethic. And I got to see so many amazing ingredients that people, you know, die to see. Like truffles, fresh truffles and huge fresh fish that they would get in every morning. The chef and owner was an avid hunter. So on the weekends, he would go pheasant hunting. And on Monday morning, he would put a gigantic sack of pheasants in front of me with the buckshot still in them and say, (laughs) clean them. All right. (laughs) Wow. Did he show you how to do it or just leave you to it? No. (laughs) I had to ask a lot, which was also a good French lesson, learning <laughs> how to ask for help. But yeah, it seems like you, you don't want to screw that up. You know what I mean? No. Like you, yeah, right. That could really mess up. Yeah. <laughs> you could mess up big time not knowing how to clean the animals that you're going to be using. Oh, yeah, to. exactly. But they, they were the good about star. showing you. That was at the that two. That was at the two. What Michelin is the name star? of the restaurant? It was called Apicius. A-P-I-C-I-U-S. And what does that mean? It is in reference to um, a legendary chef I guess you could call him who was thought to be the first one who published a cookbook like in ancient times he wrote down how to cook and how to prepare food and huh. so it's in reference to that. Is he a Parisian? I don't think so I think he was Greek or oh, okay. you know one of those ancient people oh, okay. <laughs> ancient Roman or something Yeah. well I, w- I wanted to go back to Max for a second and ask a question or two I, I just have these burning questions if I don't get this off my chest I'm just going to distract me the whole time <laughs> okay so explain to me as a person who eat, I eat out almost every meal explain to me uh, I've been doing it for years right why does this happen why do you have this common scenario where everything about the service is fantastic you know the server comes over and they're just they're just the right mix of not being too creepy and intrusive but but they're helpful and they're friendly and they bring things quickly and they're refilling your glass of water a lot and they're making sure you have lots of table bread and everything's going great and then you get to the very end of the meal it's time for the check and then they disappear for like an hour it happens all the time across the board like casual places middle places sometimes even higher-end places. What causes that? Is there any motive for that? Is it like I'm going to get hungry again and order something else if they're, if they're gone that long? I can't figure out why anybody would do that. Because then I end the Maybe meal Maybe they're rage. saying you take so long. You take too long and they're... Uh... You think it's just me? I don't know. I experience? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a huge part of it has to do with the fact that once all the food is not sitting in the window, there's, no, there's nothing telling them that you're still there. So basically <laughs> you're like... You know, your ah. appetizers, entrees come out, and the, sh- the expo is bothering you to come pick it up. But once you're done with everything, uh, and, and it's busy, they, they, I guess they forget about you. But in the back of someone's mind, uh, you know. So it's not personal. 
It's, it's not personal. It's a motivational it's the fact thing. that I didn't create a big enough impression on them that they would remember me. I've become invisible to them somehow. Right. It is a it yeah. is a terrible tip killer. The the more yeah. minutes you leave, you have know, you, you noticed that in? Uh, I mean, is that something that? I mean, is, there's two forms yeah. of it. It takes to me. There's the one where like you've gotten your last thing to eat, and then you never see them again, and they never bring you the check, and it takes like an hour. There's that. And then there's and sometimes you don't even see them in the restaurant sometimes, but I mean they just disappear. But then you know they're on break. I don't know what's going on. But then the other form of it is when you get the check and then you want to give them back the check with the with the credit card. So 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 when so when it's taking a long time to get the check, I get my credit card out already. So as soon as they bring the check, I just hand it to them without even looking at it because I don't want to wait another half hour for them to. But like okay, so that's why it happens because they don't have anything else to remind them to come back really. Well, that's that's part of it. But basically, you you're you're on a list of priorities, and once all of your you've had everything, you get bumped down that list because basically everyone else they have their entrees to push out and, and their drinks to get and their waters to refill and whatnot. So I think that has something to do with it. But that happens to me all the time. Uh, so you know th- there could be several reasons but th- that's one great reason for styles of service and being gang service where basically every waiter is responsible for all the tables and that's not going to get missed out on uh, uh if you have that type of service well, that's interesting okay well, so that compensates for, for that is there any way to combat that as a customer is there any way i can help reduce that other than screaming across the room like hey hey yeah i think uh, people <laughs> are inherently afraid to talk to anyone other than their own server you you can pull you can pull other servers out and, and ask them and they'll go get the other server i think people are afraid if if it's not your uh, your person but that's okay uh other than that unfortunately you know uh the if, the, if they're hiding or whatnot, or you know, <laughs> the, you, they seem to be hiding, but that's not actually the case. They're usually busy. Uh, but I think that's that's one thing that comes with being a waiter is you have the wait station and your tables will automatically think you're just sitting in the back chilling while uh, that's not actually the case. You're actually really busy, but when they can't see you, they think you, you might not be doing anything. So And isn't turnover uh. important too? I mean, what, for, for an owner or manager to make sure that that doesn't happen because other reservations are waiting and right i mean ideally yeah i mean you uh you know from a revenue perspective you want to flip tables as much as possible uh and you know so yeah that's certainly you want to have that table turned over uh sooner than later so that's also a staffing issue for the manager right so how many tables you have in your section how many how many uh servers does it take to actually handle full output of the restaurant uh so you know there's a lot that goes into it well can you help I'm I'm not saying anything against Ray, but Uh when you say uh, ask another waiter or waitress, what would be an appropriate way to say that wouldn't offend them and get the other staff in trouble? But just what would be a a a gentle way to say? Or would you just ask? Oh, uh, I need my uh, tea filled. Or would you say, excuse me, could you get your the other my server or what do you think is an appropriate i mean i know this is crossing over into the (laughs) clientele but yeah i mean you you would definitely just just ask for the server uh and you know this is a this is a thing with how restaurants are run if it's if it's not run well then you might get a snooty server who's gonna you know turn their nose up at you when you ask them something and and you're not their table uh that shouldn't be the case but it is uh and you know, it, you, I guess you could make light of it and make some type of joke like, is my server still alive or something like that? But, <laughs> yeah, just ask them, you know, wh- where's he at? Okay. All right, interesting. So these are the kind of things that get incorporated, I guess, into your quizzes that you do and all that kind of stuff, too? Yeah, you so... Have a, you have a testing format they use in the training, I understand, as well? 
Yeah, the, 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 the test is basically the, the info is pulled from the restaurant's material and then a lot of things like uh, true or false, is it okay uh, to point across the restaurant when a, when a guest asks where the bathroom is? That's false. Uh, you should t- <laughs> you should either, if you're really busy, tell them, don't point, but ideally you should walk them to the bathroom, that type of thing. Uh, you know, how to respond when a guest, uh, we have short answer questions or basically how should you respond in certain situations when a guest does this. So, you know, if, uh, say, if someone has a terrible allergy and, uh, you know, it's clearly an emergency situation, do you just blow it off or do you call the manager? You know, obviously you call the manager. Uh, if, if someone is clearly irate, uh, how do you deal with the escalation of that situation? How do you calm them down and that type of thing, which is which can be applied uh, across any concept, really. It's not specific to, uh, you know, casual or fine dining. So is, now, is all this for the people on the um, they're on the server uh, level? Is, is there also a component you have for, like, management, like for the owner, for the maitre d' or whoever? I mean... Yeah, the the uh, so the management uh, de- depending on what the restaurant has available. So uh, we're we're working on creating our own content. I can talk about that a little more. But basically, uh, you know, one, one restaurant has uh, videos to deal with the the back end point of sale and their inventory system that the management has to learn. And uh, you know, they're going to see uh, you know their their check in and check out sheets for the day and that type of thing. So there, there's a separate section for management and. Also, when, when an employee is trained well enough, basically, or you want to push them up to management, you can just tick a button and they can have access to the management training material so that uh, they, they can start learning that. But ideally, yeah, we, we would have some uh, some leadership type training on there to, to add to their, their existing training. All right. Interesting. Well, we're going to get back to, to our guests and questions, but we have to do the book of questions right, we right now. We have to give them a test now. We have to test yes. you, yes. Your uh, skills at answering creatively and quickly. You don't want to. You do not want to uh, 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 model um, side work after the book of questions. <laughs> book sure, questions sure. is not would not be the most useful, but it, it's a nice conversation starter. Okay, let's start it's with so Marie. Yeah. What is your favorite number? Nine. Nine. Sorry. Okay. Would you accept $1 million to leave the country and never set foot in it again? This is written in 1982, so we got justice for inflation. Wow, that was fast. Okay. Don't have to think about that. Yeah, let's just go back to Paris with (laughs) a million dollars. What is the least amount of money you would take to leave the country and never come back? Never come back. Uh, Enough to live comfortably in Paris for a year, so... Um, just a year to never come yeah, back. Yeah, because once I get there, I'll find some pastry shop to work in or... Excellent. Sorry. <laughs> find so my way after ditch that. New Orleans. You, you oh, I mean, I love New Orleans, but... No, I'm teasing you. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Max. Let me do it. What okay. is your favorite number. number? Goes up to 217, I think. Yeah. Uh, 69. 69. We've had that one before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We might have to make it raunchier or something. Ah, it's lame. Yeah, give me another one. 72. 72, okay. If you could have free, unlimited service for five years from an extremely good cook. Hey, look at that. Chauffeur, housekeeper, masseuse, or personal secretary, what would you choose? 
Uh, cook, chauffeur, housekeeper, masseuse, or personal secretary? Hmm. Unlimited. Uh, I'd have to say the chauffeur. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for how many years? Five. five. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would, I would, I'm inclined to go with cook, but five years is a long time for the same cook. But, like, being driven around everywhere and not having to deal with the stress. Nice. Definitely chauffeur. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking Excellent. of this. Like, masseuse, like, masseuse is, a, massages are great, but you, you, how, mu- how much massaging can you get in one day? How much time do you have for it? You right. Know, it has diminishing yeah. returns. If you're having, if you're getting Every three hours, if you get three hours of massage a day, it's going to get boring for you after a while, right? So that that's that's out. Yeah. Okay. I like that Pers- chauffeur. That's great. A chauffeur okay. over personal secretary? Oh. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Well, chauffeur, right. you can take road trips, like amazing road trips for five years. You can go yeah, I so mean, many places. Yeah, I, I can have think. a virtual assistant online for $4 an hour. No problem. <laughs> wow. Huh. <laughs> Kathy Lee uh, Gifford or whatever, like $4 an hour. I will. Out of the, not, <laughs> is not, that this, is a, <laughs> this is a Filipino, which they're completely fine with. Uh, you can go on Odesk or Elance. That and, was, uh, that was actually very legit. problem, I think. Was it, was it her Filipino? I don't remember. Remember, remember that? You don't know any celebrity references. What are you? No? <laughs> I don't have a TV. I don't know. I don't watch much TV either. I just remember hearing about that. Okay. Kathy, Kathy Lee Gifford, isn't she from the 80s? Yeah, but she, exactly like this book. She was popular when this book was. No, she had a sweatshop. She owned part of a sweatshop in Burma or something. And then she got in trouble because, you know, uh, Jeff Stossel, what is the name? John Stossel or something, flew out to Burma and they found out they were paying the kids. They have 12-year-old kids doing it for like a penny an hour or something. It was really bad. So you don't have people uh, working for $4 an hour. You're doing all your web work yourselves, right? Yeah, you're, yeah. So you work in Launchpad, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's different than the Idea Village, but that's out of that same area, right? It's in the same building as same Idea building. Village. That's yep. what I thought. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a co working space. There's a, I don't know. There's about ninety companies in there, and they occupy a couple of floors. And basically, you just pay monthly. You can have a sit at a desk where you don't get to leave all your stuff there, or you can have uh, you can have a desk where you do get to leave your stuff, and then you can have an office. Uh, but it, it's a good environment to be in because you uh, have like minded people, entrepreneurs, and bounce ideas off of them and network easily. So you feel like it's created some synergy there to have different people around that are also entrepreneurs and all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, as opposed to uh, I was working at a home for a time, and it's a lot easier when there's people around you working, but also uh, having a separation of work and home if you are working out of the house is really nice. So, yeah, I definitely really enjoy it. Well, Marie, were you ever, uh, when you were, were you did some besides cooking and all? I mean, did, were you ever, uh, did you ever do any waiting or any oh, of that? Oh, yes. Yeah. I okay. was a bartender for six years before. In New Orleans? Yes. Where? Houston's on St. Charles. okay. Yeah, all right. Six <laughs> years in one place. Six years in one place. All right. It was a long time. Yeah. Was that like right out of school or how? Yeah. Uh, that was during college okay. and after also. Right. And then my mom moved to Paris and she just kind of bounced this idea off me. What what Wait, about your going? mom moved to Paris? Why'd your mom move to Paris? For her job, her oh, okay. work was moved there, and we just kind of thought, "What if?" And you were already out of the house, or you could have been out of the house at that point. Oh you yes, I had been I had been out of the house for a long time. And then you um and so you follow her there to go to the Cordon Bleu. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's like what a year and a half program or something like that. How it's about, about it a year. A year. Okay. About a year, and um, intense, they have three right? different levels. It's very intense because it is so short of a program so they teach you everything in in a short amount of time and um they really really structure it well but they really challenge you they really push you 
Um, and they teach in terms of recipes. So they'll take classic recipes in order to teach techniques. Uh -huh. um, so they'll take uh, bouffe bourguignon and teach you how to braise and how to make a stew by using that recipe. Now, is it example. all French cuisine or do they do? I mean, you, can you learn to make like chop suey there or whatever? Too? I mean, it's no. Like, um, are they the doing sushi? <laughs> you know? I, I wish that would have been really cool and I would be more well-rounded. They're very old school, right? I mean, it's they're just very, very old school. Yeah. Um, the other locations that they have, like around the U.S. and around the other countries, are more worldly. They have option, more options. You can study Asian. You can study Italian. Um, but the Paris location is very, very classic, very traditional, and very strict. <laughs> now, how hard is it to get in? Is it, is it, is it a pretty uh, rough uh, admission process? It's surprisingly not hard, not that hard. At It's all. probably harder to stay in than the... It's harder it. to pay for it, is the uh. thing. It's extremely expensive. So if they feel like... Okay, well, just send us your information, fill out the application, but if you can make it here and you can pay for it, then sure, come along. Huh. So it's not, it's not very hard to go. But it doesn't mean that afterwards you're going to get a job. I mean, you have to prove exactly. yourself, and right? Yeah, and, and they tell you that. I remember at graduation, the chefs were like, this is just <laughs> the very beginning. Don't think that just because you finished this amazing program, but... You know, it doesn't mean that much in in the real world of cooking. You can't just finish school, as with any school. You can't just finish school and say, oh, I know everything now. You really need to work hard and, mm. and learn and start from the bottom and work your way up and really prove yourself. So, Well, culturally, in Paris and in France, would a business like yours, uh, do you think there's a market for it there? Or is that more traditional and... Um, I mean, obviously, the world is more progressive, and but would that be a harder market to break into? Um, uh, I mean, they definitely have a high, much higher standard of service. Uh, it's the, the you can be a career server. Uh, you you can work in a restaurant for your whole life, and it's not really looked down upon. Um, so, I, I I don't the on the on the other side, they are more tech advanced. Uh, specifically in Paris, you'll see uh, you know. One thing that's the problem with restaurants, they're very slow to adopt new technology. So uh, that makes it tough for a company like mine. Um, that's a good question. I haven't actually thought outside uh, of the U.S. specifically. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. What did the uh, what, what do you think about, um, about I, online training there? I think it may work because they take service so seriously there that uh, more comprehensive training may be beneficial to them. Um, the only thing is that they respect the traditional hierarchy of wait staff and kitchen staff too, to where you know you start as a water boy, let's say, or whatever, or a busser, and then you really have to work hard to make you know back waiter or something like that. Um, so that would have to play into it. But I think they would be super open, and like you said, they are much more tech savvy than us. For example, every restaurant there, or even cafe uses the handheld credit card machines at the table. They would never take your credit card to a, a machine that you couldn't see. They would only bring the machine to you, which I think is kind of nice. We, we should kind of adopt that, I would say. Yeah, and it w I remember it was, the I was, it was the first place I ever saw an iPad menu. I was like, this is awesome. You know, they whip out four iPads. We sit down at the table, and uh, that was really cool. Uh, Where I'm, was that? This was at this crazy... Oyster this is at this oyster restaurant. They have all this crazy delicious food. The presentation is just insane. They have, they get, 
they have an appetizer that's like eight different oysters and each one is from a different region and uh they have it i guess it was, they have dry ice under it so they, they drop it on the table and it's it's all flowing with smoke and it just looks the presentation is epic uh, and and the menus are so cool because n- not only do they have pictures of each menu item, but they're in flash, so they are like motion pictures. Uh. So it shows <laughs> the smoke <laughs> coming out, wow. you know, from the dry eyes. It's really impressive, and it makes you see it and be like, "I'm gonna get that." How long ago was this? Um, this was last year. Last year ago. Okay. Yeah. That's why I like when I go into a restaurant. I like to walk through the tables because I like to look and see what everybody else is eating. But I don't have to be rude and do that if I. Exactly. Margo, when are we going to write our tip book? We ought to write our tip book of like uh, as customers, <laughs> yeah. you know, like stuff like that. And I can add now. Now I know what to do about it when the uh, when the check doesn't come for an hour. Well, I yeah. always eat well because yeah. I I like I see what other tables yeah, are eating. I'm just like, what did that table over there have? But uh, yeah, you eat with your eyes. Yeah, at first, anyways. So hmm. it's important. You see something really delicious or really beautiful looking. It's like I want that. <laughs> I want yeah. what they're having. I, I just remembered also this place. This place had several really cool things about it. One was the olive oil was in a bo- a cologne bottle, so you sprayed the olive oil, <laughs> which oh. is just kind of uh, as far as a restaurant goes, was really cool. Does that taste better though? Come on, really? Maybe I mean, it may be I'm cool, sure. but it, technically, it, your, your mind might like to think it tastes better. <laughs> yeah. The one with like the little pump behind it. You know what I mean like the little that little like ball an old perfume squeeze? atomizer? That's what I'm no, yeah. like no. it was like, like a straight up right. yeah cologne, a normal cologne. Uh, Oh, I'm doing that for sure. I'm putting that on my dining room table for sure tomorrow, tonight when I get home. That's great. Yeah. Uh, one, I, I have a few more questions. I know we're, we'll have to wrap it up. Yeah, we're but um, This is maybe a bizarre question, but, like, when you're testing people, I know on the surf, serve safe test they, they do, like, uh, trick try and trick you. What is the funniest or... Uh, most uh amusing little thing you've put in a, a manual so far that uh maybe it was referred to you by an owner or right uh yeah I'm, i would like to say i'd see more, more funny things in the manuals that i get uh but yeah mostly this would be in the form of multiple choice when i'm creating the questions and you know would say uh you know what what do you do when a customer uh, when a customer tells you uh, they don't like their food and, you know, th- there's regular answers and I guess a funny one would just be, you know, throw it on the floor and tell them to get out, <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, so, so you so can have fun with it like that? Yeah, yeah. You're cert- Just like you see on any exam, you have the outliers that are clearly not correct. Uh, and then, you know, if you have somebody that chooses that one, then you know that that, that guy's not good to go <laughs> in your restaurant. Well, I mean, there's a restaurant I'm not going to name, but I, my wife and I went there. We had a nice meal. It was okay. It was, uh, there was a couple things about it that kind of worried me, but it was all right. And then I and then I, I start hearing stuff on Facebook about the wars that they're having with their customers. And and I lo- I'll, maybe you know the one I'm talking about because it became kind of famous. But I went to their site and I found like a, like their web page or their Facebook page. And they had these, like, ongoing verbal battles with, like, their customers. You know, we're like, well, you're a jerk anyway. You leave a lousy tip and, like, da-da-da-da. And they're going wow. back and forth on their own Facebook. And then they shut down a few weeks ago. And I was like, well, that's not a big surprise. Yeah, you could not right. help them. Yeah, that would not you, be able – they wouldn't be able – no no amount of uh, of, of uh, websites or whatever would ever be able to help that 
those folks, right? I mean, that's right. They have some social media training, but I understand from a restaurant <laughs> owner's perspective, when you see on Yelp and Facebook, when someone says something that's clearly uh, didn't actually happen in your restaurant right. or it's a possible competitor, it's really hard to refrain yourself. But you can always reply in a you know level-headed manner, or just take uh, it down, even right. I mean, like it's your page, right? On Facebook, you can. Yelp is obviously oh, a huge problem. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. But no, this guy was like going at it with the customers and i was like oh my gosh that's crazy yeah that was no that was a huge at. yeah yeah those people you know some people uh, are just not good for running restaurants and those those that was a couple that's not good at it he was also lashing out at all the neighboring restaurants too there's one across the street from him and he was going nuts on that on that place too i was like Ooh, not a good idea yeah okay well looks like we're out of time um thanks so much for coming this has been really interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us. Max, will you please tell us um, yes. how people can uh, get in touch with you and, and your business and um, give us a website? and. Sure, sure. It's uh, gosidework.com is our website. You can uh, give us a call. The number's on there or contact us through our contact form. You can learn more about it. Uh, we're free to give you a demo if you're interested. And uh, you can follow us at Get Sidework on Twitter. One question I had I forgot. Why side work? What's the uh, what's the what, what does the name come from? What does that mean? Yeah, so it's it solves uh it's uh as far as a comp- company naming goes, it's two syllables. It's easy to remember, and it's related to the industry in some way. So uh, it, it solves both of those. So you know, restaurant owners like it. Although side work is not something specifically that employees uh, necessarily love. It's uh, they get it when they hear it, <laughs> and it's not it's not a made up word. I, I wanted to go with a real word. All right. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, so we have your web address, and uh, we'll also put a link up for Stella's. you have anything you want to plug while we're at it, Marie? Oh, I don't know. Just um, come and check out our new desserts. We're doing a lot of seasonal things. We have some beautiful peaches in um, from the late summer harvest in Alabama, and um, we have some new miniardies, which are a nice lanyap treat after coffee, some really beautiful chocolates. And I just started doing some black and gold stuff. So exciting for <laughs> Saint season. All right. Great. Well, our special guest today has been Max Godin of Sidework and Marie Guevara of Stella. And it's been, it's been a good show. Our show is recorded live at Ted's Frosthop on Claiborne Avenue in Calhoun in uptown New Orleans. Ted's is open seven days a week serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade root beer in a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris and Chris Keogh is our technical director. And this fabulous audio quality that you hear is by PreSonus Audio Electronics. Makes all kinds of wonderful things. Visit PreSonus.com for more information. You can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website. It's NewOrleans.com. And from there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list, get all kinds of swag. Uh, and while you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One and our other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Vietnola, Out to Launch, and others. And if you listen to the show on iTunes, uh, please rate us and review us. It helps other people to find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. So we meet here again at Ted's Frost Top. I am Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. Thanks. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. 
And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.